Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a special episode of the Vine Pair Podcast, talking all about the wines of Bourgogne with two winemakers situated there. Uh, we're joined today by Aurélie Berto of Domaine Aurélie Berto in Pernon Vergelas and uh, Arnaud Desfontaines uh, of Chateau de Chemie in uh, Chemie. Thank you both for joining us. Um, it's such a privilege to talk to both of you. Thank you for inventing him. Thank you. Hi. So let's start with a little bit of background on both of you. Um, Aurélie, you first. Uh, how exactly did you get uh, involved in making wine in uh, Bourgogne? <laughs> I, I was born in 1986 in France, in Alsace. My parents and I moved in 1993 uh, to Jura because they had the opportunity to take over a grocery shop. Until the age of, of 20, I believe my destiny was to take over the family business. Mm. Uh, so I obtained a double degree at the business school of Dijon and the faculty of business in Spain. After this Erasmus year in Spain, I came back to France in 2009. Uh, I got closer to Bourgogne, where I had previously met my husband, a Bourgogne winemaker, and I moved to Bourgogne. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In 2012, I left my marketing job at the Johnson & Johnson company to manage and develop the administrative part of my family-in-law wine estate. And in 2017, I had the opportunity to buy a wine estate of six hectares. The plots were planted in pernan vergès Chouet-les-Bones, and Bonne Appellation. This is in the Côte de Bonne. And since my... Very first harvest in 2017, my wines place themselves among the top uh, during blind testing. For example, Major of Tastevinage at Chateau du Clos de Rougeau, Gold Needles at the competition of Feminalise, and Stars in the French Guide Hachette des Vins. Wow. As you have understood, my parents are not winemakers. I was <laughs> not born in Bourgogne. I had never made wine before 2017, and still I am now a winemaker. <laughs> That's very cool. I, w- I have one more question, and then I want to hear Arno's story. So, you know, you mentioned this sort of journey from, you know, sort of one idea of what you would be doing with your life, and, and now you are a winemaker. W- was there somewhere along the way, was there... Was there a bottle of wine or or something you tasted where you where you kind of realized? I mean, obviously, I assume that anyone who grows up in France grows up kind of appreciating wine. That's at least what I'd like to believe. But was there some specific bottle of Bourgogne or something you drank that really made you, you know, really truly want to do this? It was an opportunity, I say. Um, since I have. Um... Uh, 15, the age uh, to drink <laughs> mm-hmm. some wine. Uh, uh, in my family uh, dinner, uh, I tasted uh, some great wines. Um, 15 years ago, I mm, first, um, what I say is I like or I don't like wine. And now I am a winemaker who tests mm. and to make wine. I Test uh, many wines, fruits, flowers to develop my sense of taste and smell. Um, I don't know. It's an opportunity I had, and now I make wine I love, I like. Fantastic. Uh, Arnaud, how about you? What's your background in in winemaking and, and in Bourgogne? Yeah, so 
the story is uh, different from the Aurelie's story. Uh, I'm from a um, um, very old uh, family, uh, wine-making, vine-growing family. Um, I mean, for ages, like uh, over 500 years. Um, but um, I have not first decided to, to be a winemaker when I was young. And uh, I, I made the final choice at about uh, 16 years old, which is quite young at the end. But when you have the luck to to get born in a very nice and uh, savage village where I, I am, and uh, when you uh, get like a bit older, you uh, I started to see that it was a really nice job and a luck to live in that uh, uh, very great uh, great place. So. And then years after years, uh, I uh, I had my uh, studies in the wine, and then I traveled around the world to make wine, and around around France, and it's it it became uh, a passion time after time. So Arnold, do you think that that opportunity that you've had to to travel to make wine in other parts of the world and in other parts of France, how does that um, sort of how has that changed your approach to making wine um, at your family estate? It it allows to to see that um, we can make wine uh, somewhere uh, else uh, than Burgundy. Um, <laughs> that's first uh, something important to understand that uh, <laughs> um, the wine can be uh, very good, and there is a great terroir uh, all around the world. At the end, it depends on who make it and what love it is uh, put in the in the job and in the wine. Um, so it uh, teach me that uh, each wine is made by a soil, a climat, a plant, and a man, and it's that combination which makes the the wine, and that can be possible everywhere in the world but for me uh, the good place for me is to be in burgundy because i've got all my family story and my past that makes a lot of sense uh Orhali, since you came to making wine in burgundy as a as an outsider as someone not from there without a a long family history of it do you feel like you have a different perspective on winemaking do you feel like you do things differently than your neighbors or are you a newcomer, but making wine in a traditional way? The first uh, two years, uh, it was my husband who helped me mm-hmm. in the cellar. Uh, he mainly gave me technical tips and did the hard course like carrying and lining up the barrels. Mm-hmm. Me, what I want to, what I understand uh, after five years is to make wine. Uh, we have to have um, grapes, to harvest grapes with a very good phenolic maturity. Mm-hmm. If it is not, uh, the wine, the fermentation uh, will will not uh, run as we want. Mm-hmm. What I do <laughs> uh, each year, it's, uh, I don't know why, but it's to harvest uh, after my numbers. Oh, okay. 
because uh, I think my uh, the maturity of my grapes uh, was not very good. I don't know. Uh, I test uh, my wine, uh, my grape juice every day on mm -hmm. the morning and on the evening. I test uh, each cuvee and I think uh, if we have the good day or harvest, the wine will be we do uh, the wine will do himself uh, will make uh, the wine is making himself i see and i have another question about the sort of some of the specifics about uh, where you are located where you are where the where the vines are so can you talk a little bit about for for people listening who may not know may know a little bit about Bourgogne as a region but may not recognize uh Pernon Vergeles or maybe even you know kind of understand that what is it about that village and and maybe your vineyards that are special uh i am located in the Côte de Bonne uh in Bourgogne you are uh, Côte de Bonne Côte de Nuit Côte Chalonnaise Côte Maconnaise uh and Chablis area Mm -hmm. I am only in the Côte de Bonne, uh, at the north of Bonne. Usually in Bourgogne, in this Côte, uh, we don't have a whole hectare of vines, uh, like the Château of, of, of Bordeaux, for example. Mm -hmm. How fields and my fields are often divided in plots in different areas. Okay. Uh, my plots are in three villages, Bernan-Vergelès, Bonne and Chorée-les-Bonnes. Um, for example, in Pernan-Vergelès, we are four appellations. Haute-Côte-de-Bonne, Pernan-Vergelès village, Pernan-Vergelès premier cru, and the Corton and Corton Charlemagne grand cru. It depends on the location, on the, on the, on the plot. Mm -hmm. Each plot will produce different grapes with different phenolic maturity and different style of wine. In my case, uh, with grape of this free village, I make nine different wines. Okay. Pernan Vergelès in white and red, uh, Pernan Vergelès premier cru in white and red, a red bonne premier cru, and a red chore de bonne, etc. Some Cremant uh -huh. and other one. The main okay. difference between each appellation is the terroir, the geology, the slope inclination, the age of the vines, etc. Because I make the wine uh, with the same method uh, for each cuvee. And for you, Arnaud, how does that compare? Because you're in the Côte-Chalonnaise, so you're a little further south and in a slightly different um, kind of part of Bourgogne. What is what is your what are your vineyards like, and, and what do you make? There is some differences between um, uh, Côte de Bonne, Côte de Nuit, Côte-Chalonnaise, and Maconnais. Um, the differences are more about uh, the size of the the estates. Um, I mean. The, the average of the family estate, like we are in Côte de Bonne and Côte de Nuit, are more about, uh, I think, about eight hectares, something like that. And in Côte Chalonnaise and Maconnais and Chablis, uh, Chablis is even bigger, but uh, Côte Chalonnaise and Maconnais, it's more about uh, 15 uh, hectares because the value uh, is not the same. Uh, and to to be able to live and to to have a, an interesting job and to earn money for your family, for you, for everything, and even for the material that you need to do the job, you need to have a bigger estate. So that's the 
main difference, um, but what's the same is that we've got climate in Bourgogne, uh, which are, we talk about the plot. Each plot has uh, his own uh, climate, his own particularity. And that's the same in all Burgundy. And that makes the specificity of the Bourgogne, which is um, you can have in the same village and with the same vine grower and winemaker at sometimes a few meters or a hundred meters uh, with the same variety, different wines, because there is a little difference which can be the exposure, the altitude, uh, the type of soil. And so that's the same uh, everywhere in Burgundy. And that makes the specificity of uh, our vines, our, our wines, with the same uh, grape variety. Um, there is many different uh, wines. And, and do you make both red and white wine, correct? Yes, 50-50. And... I'm wondering too, Arno, when you think about, um, you know, besides just the difference in terms of the size of the holdings in uh, the Cochalanais versus perhaps the Cote de Bonne, is there also a difference in terms of the, the the plots themselves are bigger or are they the same size? Do you just have there you just have more of them? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yes, the the most of the times uh, the plots are bigger in Cochalanais. What makes the popularity and the, um, the name Bourgogne is the um, most well-known wines from Bourgogne are the Premier Cru and even more the Grand Cru, of course. And that wines, that vines, sometimes you've got one hectare of one Grand Cru and this hectare is uh, shared uh, by uh, 20 vine growers. Wow. So it means each vine grower can have 0.05 hectare. And so it's a few rows, yeah. um, which is very crazy, really crazy. But that makes uh, the richness of Burgundy. Um, but in the other way, uh, in Côte Chalonnaise, um, most of the time, the plots are bigger, like we talk in hectare in Côte uh -huh. Chalonnaise and in Côte de Beaune, Côte de Nuit, uh, you talk in Ouvray, which is 4% of an hectare. Ah. When you gotcha. talk about the plots, you talk in Ouvray. And in Côte Chalonnaise, we talk in hectare, which is uh, a bit different. Yeah, I bet. Um, Haley, I'm wondering you know, switching gears a little bit to talk about more of the, of the winemaking and what, what it's like right now, since you came to Bochon relatively recently, you know, you, you came sort of at a point in time where it certainly seems from my perspective and from speaking to both of you a little bit before this podcast that, you know, things have gotten, have got, they've always been challenging for sure, I guess I should say, but they, they seem to be getting in some ways more difficult. So did you look at, climate change and the sort of more difficult weather as just something that was going to be that you were going to just, um, I guess, as we, as we might say it here in the States, you just deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I see, um, for example, for me, uh, I pay attention to the environment, uh, but, um, 
With global warming, I don't want to switch to organic farming right away. Uh, I practice sustainable agriculture uh, mm -hmm. because I prefer to work the soil. Uh, I am using as much as possible products approved for organic farming, um, but I prefer to go step by step by mastering all the processes of the mm -hmm. vine and the vinification before starting. Uh, an example with the global warming, I, I began in 2017. In 2017 and 2018, um, we are we had a normal harvest. During this year, uh, I made uh, 40,000 bottles of wine per year. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2019, with hell. In 2020, with drought. And in 2021, with frost. Mm -hmm. I kept all the grapes uh, harvested to vinify them because uh, during the first two years, I vinified part of my grapes and I sold uh, the remaining grapes to another uh, winemaker to make a short-term cash flow to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And in 1920 and 21, uh, I kept all the grapes, uh, but I'm only going to bottle 20,000 bottles. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think with the global warming, uh, we will make a lower and lower harvest, lower mm -hmm. and lower bottles. And it will be a, a great problem uh, for the for for the year. Uh, yeah. Next year. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. Not of course for for both of you in terms of being able to have wine that you can sell to keep the winery running, but also for those of us who like to drink Bourgogne wines, it's um sad as well. Um, I know I want to ask a similar question, but, but a little with a little different angle. I know that for you, in addition to things that you might do in the vineyard, in the cellar to deal with some of the challenges that climate change has brought for you, you're also looking at your business differently. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, so at first we, we started with my brother um, on the family estate in 2007 um we was um at first um working with a uh traditional uh, not traditional but conventional uh farming so using more uh, uh chemistry products and and even um uh herbicides uh and stuff and with my brother it was not our aim uh so we started to um, to work the soil to don't use any more um, uh, herbicides, and then we start to use the organic methods. And like Aurélie told, this um, evolution uh, needs to be step by step because you need to learn another way to do it. So um, we did it. Now we are uh, hundred percent organic farming for for now five years. And this is because we think about the the global warming, and this is because we think about um, what we will uh, leave to our um, kids. Mm -hmm. And on that subject, the, that warming makes some big changes in the in the weather, and so we have more and more um, exceptional, you know, like hail or frost uh, or um draft um so there is 
more and more years when the the harvest is too low uh, to be uh, uh, economically uh, sustainable sustainable our grandparents used to have um, cows uh, crops mm-hmm. um, used to have um, uh, polyculture and, yeah. and breeding and then in the 70s it started to stop to only uh, manage vineyard to make wine and so it has worked for like 30 years mm-hmm. and now it's changing and my own opinion is that maybe we have to we have probably to to change our uh, vision of the vine growing and wine making mm-hmm. Maybe to have uh, another activity in the in the company or to start another company to to make sure we we can continue to make wine uh, even if if there is a, a few vintages uh, which are hard to live with. I see. What so what are what have you decided to do? Ah, we we start with my brother because I work with my brother and my mother. Everything we do, we do it uh, together. So we we mm-hmm. decide with my brother this year to start a brewery. Yeah. So it will it will start uh, in February. Very cool. And Ochelia, I have another question for you that I'm I'm hoping you can um, kind of give a little bit of perspective on too. I guess for maybe for both of you, but you know, for those of us who who've never been to Bourgogne, sadly, like me. Um, we, you know, we know it through the wines, we know it through maybe maps or pictures, but what is, what is life like for you in, 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 uh, you know, I don't know if you live in Bonn or if you're in Pernod Vergeles or where, but what is your, what is life like? Is it, is it, you know, uh, the countryside and, and very quiet or is it more urban and, and bustling than we imagine? Bonn is, um, we are Paris and to Dijon, we are a train. Uh, to, Bonn is less than uh, two hours by train okay. to go to, to Paris and then uh, to the airport or to whatever, wherever you want. Um, Bonn is in a small city, uh, 20,000 uh, people. And there are uh, a lot of villages like Pomar, Merceau, uh, Chassagne-Morachet, Pernod Vergeles, and so on. Village of um, one on two thousand people. Uh, we are the hill of the Côte de Beaune. Uh, we are the plain with uh, agriculture uh, crops. Agriculture. Mm-hmm. It's very quiet. You are, but very uh, dynamic. For example, this weekend uh, was uh, Vendévin des Hospices de Beaune. Uh, A lot of people came to Beaune and the region to to make uh, to to see the festivity, to to buy wine, to taste wine, to to see stars, famous people. No, it's very dyna- very dynamic, but in the winter it's very quiet because uh, uh, we are the life here is uh, parallel to the to the life of the of the wine. Yeah, makes sense. And you can see very beautiful point of view uh, panorama uh, here. For example, in Pernod Vergeles. Uh, 
you have the Notre Dame uh, de Bonne Espérance. It's a point of view. You can see the hill of Corton, uh, the different uh, hill, Côte de Bonne, and the city of Bonne. And we can see perhaps Arnaud uh, with the Côte Chalonnaise <laughs> inside. Uh, in autumn, we, we see a different color uh, corresponding with the, the leaves. Uh, we are uh, orange, red, brown, green, uh, depending on the on the vines. Yeah, very very beautiful region. I bet. And Arno, does that sound about right to you as well? Or or in uh, in your town, is it is it different than that? The estate is in Chamilly, which is a uh, uh, twenty kilometers down south of uh, Bonne. Okay, uh, so that's. Close, close enough mm -hmm. to go uh, having a party in Bonn and uh, <laughs> going in the in the bar in Bonn. Uh, I'm personally living in uh, Côte de Bonn in Saint in uh, Saint Aubin, uh, okay. which is a nice little village. And I'm fundamentally um, guy from the countryside, uh, mm -hmm. so I'm happy when I'm in the vines or uh, in the forest uh, riding my mountain bike. So, oh yeah. Um so yes, uh, for me Burgundy is just great because it's a big uh, yeah, big playground for mm -hmm. uh for farmer and for uh, a guy from the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, I want to kind of wrap things up with this question because I think one of the most important things about understanding the wines of Burgundy and wine in general is is how it relates to to food because we think so often about uh, pairing and just enjoying your wines and, and wines from the region with with food. So I would love for each of you to share a couple of your favorite things to have with your um, with your wines. And specifically, you know, if you want to share classic recipes from the region or, or dishes from the region, that's great. But I think for a lot of our listeners, or they would be interested if there's other, you know, cuisines or other dishes that you really think go great with your wine. So, Orheli, do you want to get us started? Yeah. I usually drink my white Pernod Vergeles uh, as aperitif uh, with fish and cream, or with cheese, uh, like brie. Or oh, brie, ça va, if you want to stay in Bourgogne. Uh -huh. um, and on the other side, uh, my Bonne Premier Cru is great with beef. Um, and my Pernod Vergeles Premier Cru Red, uh, Les Fichots, uh, with uh, <laughs> beef uh, sauce Epoisse. is a famous cheese, uh, Bourgogne cheese. Uh, Epoisse is a famous uh, Bourgogne mm -hmm. cheese. Uh, we smell uh, very <clears throat> bad, <laughs> but very good uh, uh, tasting here. And Arno, how about for you? Do you have any favorite pairings with your wines? So... Uh, most of the time, uh, I'm a cooker. I like to cook um, uh -huh. sometimes simple food or sometimes more um, complicated uh, meals. Mm -hmm. um, but w when I go down to my cellar to choose the wine, uh, I forgot what I cooked. And <laughs> I just take what I want to drink. But I think both white and reds of Burgundy are um, very well-balanced wine with uh, uh, fruit, uh, acidity, and freshness. 
that you can uh, pair with um, like very large style of food. It can be spicy food. It can be just uh, roast meat. Uh, it can be uh, meat cooked with a uh, with wine, like a uh, bœuf bourguignon. Uh, yes. So for me, the question is more um, enjoy the food and take a wine that you want to drink and always uh, remember that um, what you eat and what you drink make your your bones your skin your head <laughs> and yeah. you need to eat good and to drink good and for me the most important for is to share wines with yes. your friends yeah, or true. your family to speak about uh, to discuss about what you feel when you drink and when you taste mm -hmm. And if people want to uh, taste these wines, to share them with their friends and family, um, where, who, how can they find them in the United States? Uh, Arno, do you have an, an importer that people can look for? Or? Yeah, um, I work with um, an importer who is uh, based in, um, in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and they are also my agent for the rest of uh, America. Okay. So if anyone, anywhere in... America wants to taste my wines. They they had to call uh, or to contact um, Elenteni Wine Imports in New York, and they will oh, okay. explain where to go to find my wines. Fantastic! And how about for you, Orly? Uh For me, uh, I am present. My wine uh, for me, uh, my wines are present in the USA since January 2021 only. For this moment, only in Pennsylvania, with the low harvest, I will stop exp uh, develop develop my uh, my uh, uh, network in the USA. But after this, after uh, after in twenty two, uh, I will see to develop uh, my business in the USA. And if you want to get my wines, you can contact Deb from Delavino Imports in Pennsylvania. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for your time. Really interesting to hear about how similar and different in various ways your stories are. And uh, I will, at a minimum, be seeking out both your wines. I look forward to trying them. Um, so again, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Vivek. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.